Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And today we are here in sunny East Austin with... Ben Lambert. And Sarah Lambert. And you guys are with... J&O Barbecue. I love it when they do it in unison. Yeah. <laughs> so J&O Barbecue is a pretty new operation here in the East Austin area, serving out of Buzz Mill uh, here on 7th Street. Did I get that all right? Yeah, 7th yeah. and Shady. All right. But it's been a, a long road to get where you are now, so let's uh, let's start at the beginning of that road. And what are, Ben, we'll start with you. What are some of your early memories of barbecue? Uh, pretty much it was labor and toil with a, a Korean War vet that was my dad, or Korean War Times vet that was my dad, that also worked in Union uh, for Union Carbide Pipeline Division. He retired. We moved way out to Reagan Wells. It's between Uvalde and... Lakey and pretty much just taking River Rock and building a big ass barbecue pit with it. And then my dad would make plates of barbecue and people would drive from pretty far to eat it. Mom would make the sides and we'd kill critters, throw them on. Now so you said, you said River, Walk, River Rock, which is obviously rock. Um, out in Uvalde and Lakey, they're really popular for uh, pits out there now using the old oil pipe. Yep. Um, a couple of different pit builders out there. Did you? Did you ever move into using uh, any of those style pits? I didn't use anything like that back then. I just, I, I guess I was way too young to be under, able to understand what it was. So it was all just flagstone from the Frio River that we're just cooking and eating out of. What kind of meats were you cooking on those pits? Uh, back then, it was javelina that we would trap. My dad, would, my dad and mom would make tamales out of those, and then we'd also um, spit roast those things, and just wild hogs, lots of deer, and then local cattle. Avelina burn ends coming to the JNL menu. Yeah. <laughs> Avelina belly. Ooh, so there's not much to it. So yeah. it's a pretty pretty lean animal. So yeah. I'd, I'd have to think that you'd have to you'd have to find. Was there any, Maybe that's what the tallow's for. So. Yeah. Yeah. Was there any special ways that you had to had to cook that? I mean, because it is especially the gaminess, or is it just something that uh, you guys ate? It was just something that he mainly made out out of tamales, or made made tamales out of, and then yeah, when he was just roasting sides of the stuff, it. I don't know. He didn't baste it or anything like that. It was just his own rub that he kept close to his heart and then just served it. <laughs> so as you know, as you grew up cooking barbecue in a, in a very traditional to that area style, what was your first, because you're cooking mostly Central Texas style barbecue right now, what was your first foray or experiences with Central Texas style barbecue? As far as Central Texas, I think pretty much it was just trying to figure out what we were trying to do and I and we could talk more about this later uh, with what we were trying to do over at Blue Ox because the main thing for what we were doing with Central Texas style over there as opposed to how I grew up on was mainly just the wood really and just preparation of the meat and then what you're finishing it with so I grew up everybody out there was cooking with mesquite and pecan that's what's abundant out there definitely and then just working it in a couple places and then blue Ox, or working in another place and then blue ox um that's finally when i kind of got into what i was thinking of central texas what was your experience as you ate barbecue what was kind of your aha moment for this is really quality barbecue uh, as far as quality barbecue i guess i always thought stuff that that i might have cooked or, or places that I, I worked were cooking what quality was but uh, I always like to compare it to tattoos. You never really know you have a good tattoo until you get one. Somebody tells you that something really sucks, and then you really have to believe in it. And then then you get something really good, and it's like, holy shit, this is awesome. 
So I kind of always compared it like that. And then it's, it's just meat preferences and just any kind of food preferences just throughout your life, your palate changes. And then all of a sudden you have something that's just get that meat gasm in your mouth and yeah, it's just awesome. Shockwave of flavor. That, that's so, right. Yeah. So I guess I guess as far as like that final or that first aha moment was really with beef ribs, just being able to smoke those those big badass suckers for so long and then just make it turn into butter. Yeah, it's good stuff. So going back to a little more of the old school classic barbecue that I know you got some experience with because it's a place that I grew up eating at as well, and that would be uh, Swinging Door in Richmond, Texas. Ah, uh, Swinging Door. Uh, yes, yes. I mean we. Brian and I went to Swinging Door. I got to relive some of those old memories, I guess, a few months ago. And it's, I think it, as soon as I posted it, you're like, man, that brought back some memories. I didn't know that you, you'd worked there. Man, it brought back so many memories. Because that was, that was my first real barbecue job. And I tried my, hand, tried my hand at tattooing for a little bit and got my first apprenticeship. And then I left that. And my sister was working at Swinging Door. And so she got me hooked, at, or hooked up with a job there because I had a little bit of slaughterhouse experience. So I started there busting suds, washing dishes, and then just moved up to to being a cutter really fast and the way that they do stuff there is totally different than what i'm used to now but it's all i really knew back then and it's like you take that knife and just run it right up the top of the flat right down that right down that point and then you take the point and you send it to the back and then somebody back there just chopping the shit out of it with some meat cleavers then they send that up front and then you're buying your pounds and pounds and pounds of chopped beef and people eat the shit out of it um, really thick, sweet sauce, and <laughs> really thick, sweet sauce, and lots of just rubbery, unrendered fat. And it's like, what the hell was a deckle line back then? No, nobody that was really doing brisket back then really knew even parts of the anatomy of just that one cut of meat. So it was a lot harder for for people to really understand that that was supposed to be something that wasn't as traditional until later on, until Aaron Franklin came around and he's like, let's cook this thing <laughs> and and trimming on those on those briskets back in the day uh, i don't think there was much much of that going on at all there was zero trimming back then there was always just big vats of of people making their whatever their rub was and then they just toss their hunks of meat in there and then just roll that around and then throw it on a cooker not even really wondering about what their fire style was or any of that they pretty much knew okay i'm going to cook this for 10 12 hours 14 hours then it's done and that's pretty much what a lot of pitmasters were doing back then. Definitely there was people trying to innovate, but a lot of people back then, that's that's just what they were doing. Yeah, those trying to cook to a specific time, you're, you may get lucky with a couple of briskets, but you're going to get unlucky with a whole lot more of them. So, you know, there's no you know magic 14-hour time or anything like that. For those wondering why I wasn't in a barbecue as a kid, Swing Door was the gold standard of barbecue in that part of town when I was a kid. Like, the gold standard. That's where you went if you want a great barbecue in the, you know, Houston, southwest Houston area. It was Swinging Door, and that's where, I mean, they were packed as hell every weekend night. And, you know, for me, it was it was Salt Lake was the, the gold standard around here. So yeah, I, w- I would say Swinging Door is probably Houston's equivalent to a Salt Lake. Not nearly the reverence that Salt Lake has from a nationwide standpoint, but it, it kind of had that sort of old-time country feel i mean I, I don't think they've changed anything in that building since Nothing. i was a kid and back in the 70s there's movies being filmed there mm-hmm. and they still have the posters on the wall to this day yeah. um when i worked at catering there once it was for, um dusty from from zz top it was his wedding frank beard lived right down the street yep. i later worked at a gas station i'd sell him five cartons of merit menthol ultralight 100s a week <laughs> And he'd just walk in, get a cigarette, and walk out. It's just, just yeah. what five, there was five back cartons there. a week. Yeah, yeah, Frank lived right there on Pitts Road. I yep, remember. right there on Pitts. Mm-hmm. In the slightly, top 40 range. Slightly more than my parents smoked. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a little bit. I actually ate at Swinging Door on my wedding day. 
<laughs> I don't know why I ended up there, but I ended up there on my wedding day. And <laughs> speaking of wedding days, how, how did this love story start? Go for it. Oh, man. No. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, tell we, the story. We met, we, met through, we met through mutual friends. Um, a, buddy, a buddy was moving out of his house, and we just met and hung out at a bar, and then just hung out for a while, drank some beers, and then exchanged numbers, and then about five, six days later, pretty much moved in with each other. Inseparable. Inseparable for so it Looks like years. it's worked out. So. 12 years, pretty good. Yeah. And did you know that this was going to be a barbecue marriage? I had no idea. <laughs> I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, was, I was working in a tattoo shop when we first got together, and she was working at Pizza Hut. And then I was mm-hmm. like, damn, I love this woman. Got to get out of this damn tattoo shop. So I went started working at a cable pulling job. It's like, that's a lot more work. But <laughs> hell yeah, it was awesome. It was totally worth it. So you're working at Blue Ox in Austin. Um, what was the transition like? How did you go from Blue Ox to, I know obviously you ended up at Franklin Barbecue. How did that transition happen for you? Well, with the with the Blue Ox thing, I, I was working security for Jason Sabala, who owns Buzzmill, for years. And then all of a sudden Blue Ox happened, then they, they needed somebody else to help. And so went through my, my year and a half working there, and there was a guy named Carl Felinius, which I'm sure Albert you guys barbecue are pretty, yeah. pretty familiar with. Good buddy Carl. Love that dude. Um, they had an opening over at Franklin, and I'd been wanting to get an inn over there for a while. And so he finally he was like, Ben, come work over here. And that was the day after I stopped working over at, over at Blue Ox, just for various different reasons. And so it's like Blue I'm, Ox had a, a, a lot of good good vibes when they came out. I, I ate there at least once. Didn't Blue Ox end up with a, like one of Franklin's pits at one point, or, a, or is that or that could be urban legend? I'm just mistaken. It was a cooker. It was a rectangular cooker that just wasn't anything like what they're used to cooking on. Um, I've even talked to Braun about how he can't believe we could figure out how to cook on that <laughs> son of a bitch. That, that, it wasn't a very good cooker. I remember um, they were doing the coffee rubs there. That was the brisket was rubbed with with some coffee in the rub. Yeah, and that was Jason Sabala's idea, just because coffee shop, we have all this stuff, so just grind the coffee and just toss it around some pork tenderloin, and man, that thing was good. It was good. Um, and easy quick, easy quick cook time on it, like it just made sense. But um, yeah, making that transition over to Franklin, I was cooking on one fire the whole time. It was just one cooker, and then. Everybody didn't really know as much of the fire style, why or fire style as much as or as far as like Franklin style and the way that went. So transitioning over there, um, there was only four cookers in there at the time, and then one more cooker was number one that ended up in Louisiana. Um, number one was out back, but just going to those fires from one in mid-August, being as big as I was back then, man, that was what the fuck are you guys doing here this is fucking insane you really you really do this what the hell and just all the different steps and it was just mind-blowing i'm sure so, the volume increased from where you were to, to franklin was back then and- back then a really busy day was like i think 72 was our max because we didn't have number seven in there at the time and so so at that point like we would just cook 54 to 72 briskets just depending on the day so volume of course is mind-blowing to what from what i was used to but where it is now to where it's like 106 to 110 120 a day it's completely different but yeah like i just bared down and got at it after it that's just how much i really wanted to learn that one stupid awesome cut of meat <laughs> so that, and there's the brisket and um 
yeah, after three months and 80 pounds, I started kind of getting it. So after thousands and thousands of briskets, what kind of things go into a quality brisket at the end of the day that you think are, are very important? Um, you know, we talked a little bit about trimming, obviously, but getting from that old-style barbecue to what, what's more current craft-style barbecue? To me, um, I, I think it has more to do with the individual cook um, and what you're willing to learn. So you, just like everything else with life, you have to learn from what you did yesterday. So all of it's taking notes. I can look at notes that I took last year, could look at notes that I took two years ago, see exactly what day it might be, see what the humidity was like, see what my wind speed was like, see what the temperature was like, and then just be able to try and go for there is what I did from back then to kind of like hold on to now. But to me, it's like what really makes it what it is is the, the acceptance to, to fail and the fear to fail. And to know that there's always something you could do better than you always that you already did. It, it uh, sounds like fire management is a, is a critical piece to that. It's all fire management, and then just like understanding the environment, really. Right, and being able to adapt to the yeah. environment, right? Because I, I might get a six, I might get a six mile an hour wind speed, and I'm going to have to change my fire style. So it's really just knowing how you've fucked up in the past. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the best way to learn a lot of things right. not even just cooking yeah. food i mean that's that's a good way to, it's a good life lesson to think about is you know not doing the same thing that screwed you up the first time or the last time you did it but but taking notes i mean we're still pretty bad about that we try but um you know we we talk to a lot of people that take meticulous notes and and i think that's something that we need to keep trying to apply but we've learned some silly things like even which direction the pit is pointed in based on the wind when you can move it around you know smaller pits or not cooking on an incline that was a pretty yeah, stupid well, yeah, thing we did yeah, once exactly. too yeah. <laughs> that's know, messy heat, oh yeah heat, heat rises in a particular way and and we we were cooking on a driveway that was that was was on an incline and like, man this isn't pulling what the yeah, hell yeah, is going was, on the temperature the smoke bullshit. was just stalling out and we weren't <laughs> able to run the fire and his smokestack is on one side of the pit yeah so and so, and so we, yeah we turned we the rotated stupid around. Thing around we're like oh but it really and we've got tons more to learn but it, it really starts to teach you about airflow and heat and how the heat goes through the vessel yeah. um and, and then we've had some green wood that we've really fought with that we we hate each other every time we buy it and don't plan well enough in, in, in advance chunk your shovel yeah <laughs> pretty um, much we've been there there's, there's a lot to it other than you know some people think oh it's just the pit the pit's a magic pit and you have to have a quality pit, but there's so much more to it, and being consistent is, is obviously very difficult as right. well. Well, I mean, and, and this is things that we talked about a lot. You can stick me on this badass mill-scale pit, and I can give you my backyard pit, and you're still going to cook better brisket than I'm going to cook on this pit. And that's... So you think. Oh, no. I'm, <laughs> you haven't had my brisket, my friend. Jim <laughs> Beam's always a factor in some of that. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, the, obviously the, the talent of the cook and the dedication of the person cooking it is, is a big factor. So when you were at Franklin, obviously cooking briskets was a huge part of your life. Did you have much experience cooking any of the other meats, or does that come more as you started your your own venture here? Um, pretty much like with with what I was doing at Franklin, um, the brisket aspect of it that was uniquely that, and a lot of the other stuff that I had interest in cooking in or cooking was just whole animals. And that's just what I grew up with. I mean, we'd harvest our own meat just living out in the country. And so that was the thing that I t toyed around with at Blue Ox for a while, was just like trying to work on hogs and trying to, to do stuff just 
that was fun that I might be able to set up to do for benefits to try and help the community a little bit. And then I really thought I could cook a badass whole hog until I worked at Bangers. But yeah, so that that was pretty much it. I mean, working at Franklin, it's it's not recipe driven, but it's this is what it is. This is it has to be this consistency and it has to be the best of your ability. And it really brought out so much good things out of everybody that was cooking there that lasted anybody that lasted there longer than a year, man, those were seasoned cooks. They were well seasoned in that smokehouse. And so of course you had dreams and aspirations as everyone does, you know, and yeah. you had dreams for eventually having something of your own and with your own name on it and your own menu and Talk a little bit about how that started as a dream and how it's become, you know, starting to become a reality now. As you have this beautiful new trailer that's sitting out here, and you and you've started yeah, your you. business. Um, pretty much, I got to a point to where I realized I'm kind of pushing forty, getting up there a little bit to yeah, where Rich really old. It's, it's Ryan hasn't seen forty in like twenty years. <laughs> 40, forty was like some of the great years of my life. <laughs> as, as, as far as smokehouse years, though, like we're pretty well seasoned we're pretty well rendered in all of our joints and all that stuff so it gets to a point where you're kind of like looking around like what am I really wanting out of life and it's like you go to college you get this degree and you go and do something with that degree and then you try and be successful regardless of whether or not you are you already spent that time getting that degree so as far as working at Franklin I mean when I got my notice in from when I um when I finally left, I was one day before my five-year anniversary there. So I'd, I'd put in all that time just learning, learning what I could from every amazing, talented cook that worked there and just realized, like, I can do this for myself. I've got my, my awesome wife to be an awesome par partner in this business, and, yeah, that's just where we're going for it. So we decided to kind of take that plunge. That's a huge leap, um, obviously, you know, financially, risk, Every, everything else I mean what kind of you know what kind of feelings do you have as you start to get out and try to do this terror <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> it was scary at first a little bit of piss um <laughs> no it's, it's, it's man it's 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 scary as hell trying to venture into the unknown <laughs> and we're blessed and lucky enough that we have such a good support system from the barbecue community at large from people that we've worked with from the Franklins from just Everybody that we've we've crossed paths with, paths with just wants to succeed. So that's where we are at with it. The Buzzmill community has been a huge help as well. Like everyone in the Buzzmill community has just done everything that they can to have her back and just be so good to us. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, and it's great to have you know the, the built-in customer base of Buzzmill that that yeah. is naturally there. They may just be there to have a beer or to have coffee, but then. They come back here and they see, oh, wait a minute. Or they want to join the club. Or, or the axe throwing. Yeah, let's talk yeah. about the club because I have to talk about this club. Yes, Brian wants to join it. So, <laughs> Well, I don't live here. So. Lumber so, Society. Yeah, yes. the Lumber it's Society cool. is, is a very cool idea they have here, yeah. which is it's a, awesome. a adult scout troop type thing. I don't know if you can say the word scout troop without a cease and desist. But yeah. um, but it is, it is you know, if you've ever seen Parks and Recreation, <laughs> Ron Swanson would just be totally proud of this because mm -hmm. it, and and sadly, I guess maybe, people don't have these skills anymore. You know, knot tying and 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 cutting and yeah. archery and you know I. It's almost a forgotten trade at this right. point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you grew up with a lot of that. I oh mean, yeah. You know, you probably had to carve out you know some of your bows and arrows and things and and make my own snares and right. be able to purify my own water and do all that yeah the lumber society is amazing because like pretty much their goal is get the fuck off your phone 
Stop staring at your phone. Go outside. I really like that analogy that you had about, you know, it was like going to college. And it, and that's the thing. When, when you see some people leave different restaurants and, and start their own thing, think, you know, I, I think that's kind of a cool way to think about it is when you go to college for four years to get your degree, you don't then just want to work at that college for the rest of your life. You want to, you know, you do that so you can have a career. And I think that's kind of a, a cool thing that you're able to do is you, you've taken these skills that you've learned from, from a kid growing up with your dad and growing up, you know, cooking on just home-built pits all the way up through your career of, of you know, cooking barbecue in Austin and around Austin. And now now you've started JNL Barbecue, which is named after your dad. Mm-hmm. And let's talk a little bit about what's on the JNL Barbecue menu right now. As far as menu, we've been pretty bare bones since we've just been doing pop-ups lately. Um, after we finally got our trailer today and had our first sold-out day, we're gonna have gonna add more days on next week and then start expanding the menu more. Um, we're gonna have kind of a revolving schedule of different kind of not so much exotic meats, but stuff that's more true to Texas. Um, and we're also gonna, you know, expand our sides, do stuff that her mom loves my mom loves that just stuff that always has to do with our family because that's pretty much what we're setting this up as i named our cooker after my mom our trailer's named after sarah's mom business is named after my dad so we just really have to stay true to our families with all of this and so what are some of these meats are we allowed to know i know i I was like hint hint Um, I'm, i'm working on different sausages right now i'm talking to my buddy rye that used to work over at franklin that now runs um bird's meat market out of houston on fifth ward what they do with oxtails and beef tips and their boudins it's all amazing. It's amazing. So we are going to be... Austin so- is not a very boudin-centric town, and there's a few places that have done it. I, I think know. there's just not enough of it. Well, that's yeah. a, that's exactly what yeah. I'm leading to. Yeah, there's smoked boudin out yeah. there. I, I think there's a good market for that, yeah. And um, so, of course... Noel but I do have to shout out to John Brotherton with his... Uh, the uh, oh. blackened shrimp boudin and the crawfish etouffee. Yeah, crawfish etouffee. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh man. My gosh. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. We we mostly say that so that he has to make it. <laughs> 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 Uh, but yeah, it's gonna be. I'm not really sure exactly how we're gonna do our pulled pork. I'd like to do like a whole shoulder bone in, um, but I don't know. It's tough to toy around with that. Some uh, I think that's good because you know you you've got a you obviously right now for reasons you you have you have a pretty basic menu and what's gonna draw people out here. Um, kind of the ruggedness of the bar falls in with that as well. I think it kind of thematically that works too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a lot of stuff with that, with what they were doing with um, when they had Ironwood Barbecue after Blue Ox left at the Riverside location, they started doing a lot more exotics. So they were doing a lot more elk and antelope and things like that. And that's awesome. It's just it with barbecue, especially like techniques I deal with, it's a little bit longer of a cook, so it's hard to keep that stuff juicy. Um, but... Yeah, just trying try to toy around with the basics. Got to kind of stick with what's awesome and what you know, but still kind of be daring enough to, you know, work with your rubs and work with some of your techniques. Some. And definitely from, from another selfish standpoint, will there be any whole animal cooking down the road? Maybe. Yes. See all this area around you? <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, we can help arrange a few more people to show up to, uh, to have a, a whole animal I, I know party. At le- I know at least two. Yeah, <laughs> if, you're, if you're ever nice. interested in uh, having a... a not a throwdown, but a get-together of some sort. I'd uh, love there's, to. There's a number of people 
not us, just us. But, <laughs> but there's a number of people that I think would love to get into something like that and, Definitely. and have a big party out here. That would well, be great. Well, I think that's been a, a natural expansion of barbecue the last couple of years, and, you know, in Texas at least. I mean, obviously the Carolinas have been cooking hogs for centuries, but mm-hmm. but in Texas I think you're starting to see more of the whole animal cooking that was traditional in a lot of parts of Texas for mm-hmm. a long time. I mean, I know it's everyone's fallen in love with brisket ribs and sausage, and they're great, but... That wasn't just that wasn't all Texas barbecue has been for its entire history. Mm-hmm. There's a lot exactly. more to it, and it's it's cool that you're looking to explore that. Definitely, like I'd like to instead of just do the the little four rib plate, I'd like to do a whole side. Uh, and with of course those mill scale guys, man, the Johnson brothers can really they're pretty innovative with their their gadgetry that they're coming out with they they could cook off of yeah we've been drooling over they built that trailer rig for hellberg barbecue a, a couple weeks ago that's yeah. that you know that's got the little t crosses on it and like all the whole animal stuff that they're Plancha, probably gonna be, everything oh my there, gosh yeah yeah, yeah. When, whenever we see matt or caleb out and about we're like man i saw that thing you did on instagram that looks so <laughs> badass what are you going to do more of that and, yeah they're uh they're, they're pretty pretty inventive and their and their work obviously speaks for itself and it turns out she went to school with matt huh. very cool small world yeah on katie yeah, we're from the same same tiny town. This <laughs> is not tiny anymore, but not yeah. anymore. Now I lived in Katy for eight years. I just moved out of there five years ago, actually, and it's it's like a city now. It's it's yeah. crazy going it's out massive. to Katy. Yeah, it's from the time I moved out there. At, see, I don't know, like eleven till like when we finally moved to Austin, like eleven years ago. It's a whole different city. Yeah. yeah so let you you know you mentioned uh, mill scale. Let's talk about this thousand gallon beauty that we have just like inches from us here that's um, the Marianne. and this is um you know it, it it's uh, it's a thousand gallon pit right now you're not that large of an enterprise why did why did you go with a thousand gallon right off the bat it's so much easier to grow into something instead of being on a waiting list like they have now and it's like i need to cook more stuff but i don't have the room for it um then you have to get innovative and start finding innovative and start finding other things to cook on. But I'd like to. Be I was going to say, is it is it harder to cook on a on a half full thousand gallon than it would be on a full five hundred? Or it's pretty much the same. Your cook times will kind of drop down a little bit, and your recovery times are a lot quicker. Because the way that I like to think about it is like if you're taking ice cubes and dumping it into if you take one ice cube and dump it into to some coffee, then it's not going to do the same thing as maybe six or seven ice cubes. So it takes a lot longer if I have 24 briskets on that cooker. It's going to take a long time to, to recover my temp to be able to get up to where I'm actually where I'm at with setting my crust and stuff as opposed to if I'm cooking like five or six briskets. The only benefit to that um, as far as starting off with just my wife and I is I can do the multiple meats during a cook and just get my timing out so I can actually get two hours of sleep. Sleep, sleep is few and far between for you these days, isn't it? It doesn't exist so much, <laughs> but I mean that's part of it. I definitely trained up for the no sleep part, and I'm I'm cool with it. Like I keep telling her, sleep it and it's not an ingredient in barbecue. <laughs> it's, not, it's not. Well, it is just not the way you cook it. <laughs> <laughs> there's no gas. There's no. <laughs> there's no pellets. I still I still love that we have a propane grill at the house, and I try and cook fajitas and all. Do you ever of feel like you're it. cheating? No, because, and I, I don't mean to sound big-headed with this, but anytime my friends, like, I see it, sit there and see them biting their tongue, I'm like, take my barbecue card, dude. Make, <laughs> make fun of me for cooking on grass. I'm just cooking, or on gas, I'm just cooking you some fajitas. Just eat it. Well, J&O Barbecue obviously has a bright future, you guys. Thank you. We're so happy to see, you know, what it's already become and what it's going to become, and 
obviously you've you've had a long winding career to get here and we're looking forward to seeing what you guys bring in the future i really appreciate it man and we really couldn't do it without the support from the the barbecue community and just everybody having faith in us and we won't fuck it up Promise. Some great, great meats coming out. Um, this is Buzz Mill. Buzz Mill is located in East Austin, Seventh Street, and Shady Lane. And Shady yeah. Lane. And what's the best way to get to get a hold of you guys as far as social media and all that fun stuff? Uh, we got got JNL Barbecue on Instagram. What's yep. Facebook? Uh, Facebook.com slash JNL Barbecue. Uh, we're on the social media. Come check us out. And you guys are offering catering as well? Yeah, we've got catering, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to work out consulting a little bit, too. Nice. So, yeah, obviously reach out, and, and for all your catering needs, get out here. Uh, check out their schedule. It's going to be expanding, hopefully, in the near future, and we'll have uh, more hours and more opportunities to get some more JNL barbecue. And uh, we had it a couple of weeks ago. You're, you know, you'll see the pictures. They speak for themselves, and obviously you're, you're – track record speaks for itself you know what you're doing with uh with a plate of meat so. thank you man <laughs> thank you we'll be back out here everybody else get out here get to buzz mill get to jnl barbecue